et sa deux voix, Félix Marito pour Pascal Clark. Warning. The man you're going to hear can be cash, crude and even cruel, sometimes without meaning to. If he is, he'll blame himself, then make it better. In the beginning, a child was born in Nevers on November 12, 1992. Not having any idea what to do, he set off to try things out and find something, anything, as long as it was extreme, immediate, unplanned. It was Les Beaux-Arts. Félix Marito made a good move. A role was given to him on a platter. In Robin Campillo's powerful film, 120 battements par minute, other adventures followed. A main role in the film Sauvage that won him two awards, then Jonas for Arte, then Netflix, and other challenges that haven't been seen yet. We've seen him in clips for Christine and the Queens or for Sebastian, who did the end credits for smoking. Félix Marito is still a child, sincere, gifted, solitary, but not alone. Smoking, smoking, smoking. Happy are the happy. Félix Marito is in smoking. Hello, Félix Marito. Bonjour, Pascal Clark. Hello, Pascal Clark. Have you often come across other Félixes in your life? Well, it's funny, but yes, lots. And I've had interesting relationships with them. Each time, Felix has been like a place we both know. I think there's a link that exists between the Felixes of this world. I know that with the Felixes I've met, we recognize each other as people who are open to others, uh, quite funny, nice at least, and let's say, good company. And Felix, obviously, is Felicity, isn't it? It means happiness in Latin. Are you happy, Félix? I am super happy. In any case, I practice happiness as a state of mind. It isn't a quest. I don't aim for happiness. I sort of walk in a state of happiness. I manage with whatever happens afterwards. There are ups and downs with happiness. But, well, happiness is a vibration. Yes, that's it. We are not always Félix, but describe a flash of happiness. Well, love, falling in love, uh, a flower that blooms, the first blue tits in my garden, all of those are flashes of happiness. Do you believe in chance or in destiny? I believe deeply in destiny. Actually, I'd say that I believe more in fate than in destiny. I... I believe that, well, you see, I've always been kind of in the right place at the right time in my life. So I can't really deny it. You could say that I'm grateful to accept this fate. Right. Here we go. You were a barman in Paris, and that's where you were noticed. Tell us about it. Well, in fact, I was a barman for two years before being contacted for 120 battements par minute. And, well, I was a... Very, very homosexual young man. Life was fun. I went out a lot. And I was part of a queer activist movement, which I still belong to, actually. And I worked in a bar that I liked a lot. You know the atmosphere. I liked making people happy, so I joked around a lot. I danced, yeah. And then one of the regulars at the bar... He rang me a year and a half later and said, you'll thank me later. Give me your number. 
And then Robin Capillo's casting director rang me, and, and that was it. We are going to hear more about this incredible film that dropped onto your plate just like that. But before that, had you ever thought of doing cinema? No. No. I trained as a contemporary artist. Well, I did Les Beaux-Arts. I'm not sure if it's a training, but I thought that an actor was someone who portrayed stereotypes. And being a half-anarchist, I was a bit against the idea of creating this kind of model. And so I would never have thought of being an actor. I accepted 120 battements par minute mainly because I needed the money and it was, well, it was a well-paid job and I really liked the people. I wanted to have this experience and in fact, once I was in it, I realized that I really liked it. But not for being an actor, more for being part of making films. There are two things you said uh, that I'd like to pick up on. Very, very homosexual and half-anarchist. Is that your vision of yourself? Um, I hope the whole of my identity, at least what you can call my identity, is a bit vaster than that. But let's say that when I worked at the Rosa Bonheur, I was radically queer. I had dyed hair, it was pink, dyed pink eyebrows, long painted nails, I dressed in loud colors. You were a little like a work of art. Uh, no, it was more like a desire for freedom and to disturb. I mean, I grew up within the established norms where I never had uh, enough space to express my desires, my personality, or what I aspired to. So when I found this space, I wanted to make the most of it and in an extreme kind of way. Talking of fate, 120 BPM, the heart rate, and the techno music and all that, do you think it was made for you? Un peu, oui. <laughs> a little, yeah. <laughs> Robin Campillo told me that when he came across my photo and saw my profile on Facebook, he thought that I was exactly the type of person he was looking for for the film. That is, I wasn't an actor who was going to give an interpretation. I was, in fact, the archetype of the character in his film. And so, yes, I do believe that there was an element of fate. The techno, <laughs> well, the techno is, how shall I put it, an education. What do you mean? And I started early. Well, me at 13, my first techno CD in 99 was a compilation called something like uh, Mega Techno 2000. And I listened to it over and over, nonstop. I don't know, there's a, there's a thing. There's something a bit sacred for me in electronic music, close to a trance, like a state of tribal trance. And I think that in a rave party, there are a lot of people who pray together, in fact, in a sort of evanescence of drugs and pleasure. And so 120 battements par minute connected with this intense way of living. Yes, yes it did. There were a lot of things about the character that suited me, loads of things, like his abolitionist views for prisons. That's something I really believe in. I think that the prison system is doomed to fail. Yeah. I think that in this film, I felt at home and also very accepted. So it was kind of an exchange, really. But it was cinema. 
What did you discover on the set of the film that you didn't expect? I discovered the existence of film distributors and also the existence of forms of hierarchy, of careers, of personalities. But I also discovered an incredible group energy that reminded me of the Beaux-Arts because as it's a choral film, there were loads of young, hyper-committed people, hyper-present too, and everyone knew we were making a great film. There was no doubt about it. Right from the first hours on set, we knew that we were doing something extraordinary, and we made the absolute most of it. It was a joyful shoot, very beautiful. The film is about the struggle with a radical, proud and optimistic feel, and there are also militants from Acte Paris from the beginning of the 90s. Do you think you would have been that radical if you'd lived then? It's hard to imagine oneself in a different era. I was born in 92, and it's true that I grew up haunted by the carnage of AIDS then. But anyway, I think that from what I see today in these areas, it comes down to a matter of survival. Faced with the question, what do you do once you are condemned to death? And it's because of your desire, because of what you do to be alive. Well, I think that, yes, I would be very, very radical, and much more than I am today. You know, I think that the survival instinct is an incredible force. I mean, I've experienced it dozens of times in my own life. It's true that AIDS impacts hugely the image one has of oneself, and I think that transforming this disaster into a strength is perhaps the key. Not to happiness, but at least to knowing that you won't have any regrets at the end. Have you ever felt in danger in your life? You seem to suggest that you flirted with it. Yeah, I put myself in danger quite a few times. I like walking a fine line. I like the idea of Jean Genet's tightrope walker. He's the one that walks on a wire and he knows that he might die. This magic's in that fear because, in fact, People who come to watch a tightrope walker on the wire don't care much about the moves he makes. They are just afraid he'll fall, and that's what's exciting. I find that seeming to be dangerous is quite a strong force of seduction in the sense that it creates a distance with other people. I played a lot with that, with seeming to be dangerous in my life. Away from the cinema, you are a bit of bit, aren't you? In your own bubble elsewhere. You can feel it in your rules, but I don't know if it's like that in your life as well. Oh, yes. Yes, it, yes, it is. is. Thank, Thank goodness. goodness. I think that describes me really well. It's that people often have the impression that I'm not listening when they speak to me. I do hear, but it's like I'm not really there. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly unusual. And in the way I... But I realized it quite late. Before, I thought that everyone was like me, and then after a while, and some communication problems, I realized, I think that the way I show my emotions in my body is quite individual. And that's why I, that's why I find it easy being an actor. It's about embodying. It took me a long time to understand that my body was my own. I mean, 
Throughout my childhood and adolescence, there was a clear mental separation between my body and my mind. But little by little, as I progressed in my life, I learned to link the two together. I wrote things on my skin, I used my body for art, and then, quite recently, I realized that it was my digestive system, my heart, my shoulders, my feet, my hands. Well, it was all the same thing, in fact. When you were discovered for the film, you'd already done a thousand different things in your life. You might have been a goner today. Is this a true story or is it a legend? <laughs> no, no, no. It's absolutely true. I wish it had been for the legend. I'd like to do legendary things in my life, but... No, I was in rehab. I'd gone a bit too far with the drugs in Brussels. And I found myself in a bad space. It had become a bit creepy. And so I called my mother and said, Listen, I need to come back. And off I went to my mother's at 23 years old. Even though I'd left 10 years earlier. Then to calm down and stuff. I did a sort of social insertion, which meant going from a state of addiction to being clean. And also to get my identity papers back that I hadn't had for years, like Social Security. And then I met someone who said, well, you like plants, so if you like, we can place you as an apprentice gardener in the city of Metz. And that suited me just fine, really, because I communicate really well with nature, sometimes better than with people, so, so I said to myself, off we go. And I remember the last appointment I had with that guy, he said, and you know, we talked and talked, and he said, you're brilliant, you are, I'm not worried about you at all. And the next day, the telephone rang for 1.20 BPM. What makes a voice? What makes a life? Sometimes, all it takes is to be on the lookout, to go with whatever happens next and persevere. After the shoot, I thought, I want to be part of another collective experience like that. I mean, I wanted to be on a film set and capture all the dense energy. A shoot as well, it's a group of hyper-talented people with their own individual specificities. And they have a sort of secret understanding between them that creates the best thing possible. I really liked it. I really liked that it was hyper-democratic and everyone was conscious of everyone else, with all the pros and cons. But together, we actually made something that was as powerful as possible. Basically, I wanted to carry on like that, because the character I played in 120 BPM was myself, so I wasn't trying to find another vibration as such, but rather continue with my own. And then I was shown the script for Sauvage, and it resonated enormously with me in regard to personal experiences and such. This character, who was so intriguing, was really a sort of angel, and so I accepted the film. But in getting to know this character, I began to realize how capable I was, and also how much pleasure I had in letting myself be taken over by a role, or, at least, in allowing it to have space. I really don't like the word role, in fact. What do you say, then? 
plutôt caractère, parce que pour moi c'est plus fluide. I'd rather say character, because it seems more fluid to me. A role is something very isolated, very closed, etc. It sounds like a clown with set characteristics. I think a character is more fluid. It's more. It's just passing by. And when I met the character, the role of Sauvage, yeah, I have to say that I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the others, and I felt things very deeply. These were three things that I really liked, so yeah, I thought I'd carry on. Sauvage is a film by Camille Vidal-Naquet in which you really stood out and even won awards. You were Leo, someone a bit lost, a wanderer, someone who prostitutes himself, but who's searching for love. What remains of this rule? I'd say uh, a take on love. That's uh, very mature. I think that before this film, my idea of love was a bit like that of a little girl who watches too much Walt Disney. And this ideal thing called love, where there are butterflies everywhere, I think that this character allowed me to access something, to see that love was just a thing that one projects on someone else. It didn't have to be a love interaction, because otherwise it wasn't love. It was a relationship, in fact. Love, as he lives it, while well, he sees things with love and with passion. I had never experienced that in my personal life before, so it was, it was nice. Because, well, I always hang on to the best bits of my characters, so I can become a better person afterward. It's nicer like that. But I think, yeah, it's mostly that, love. And also technically and professionally, I realized that I was able to do anything for the camera. It's actually a very violent film that demanded a lot of physical stamina, a lot of servitude as well, because there were a lot of simulated sex scenes, naked, humiliation and such. So it was a lot to take on. It took me some time to understand that my body had developed auto-defense mechanisms connected with the character. Because I hadn't been to acting school where they tell you, and no one explained that, in fact, you have to clean out your energy system of this sort of character. Do you regret not having gone to acting school or not? I was fine at the Beaux-Arts Bourges, but I think I learned a lot in life from other things than school. And one road's as good as another. Well... I know that each time I touch on the technique of acting, it seems to limit me rather than free me up. Because I have a more natural thing. I don't act for myself. I don't care about a career or... I really like to serve the cinema. I really like doing whatever the character or the director wants when it's beautiful and legitimate. It's not my aim to become a superstar and be recognized all over the world and be recognized all over the place. That's not my aim in life at all. My aim is to move people with sincerity, and so I wouldn't do anything I didn't believe in. Yes, but if it happens and you become a real superstar, Félix Marito, known worldwide, it would probably change your life. Could you imagine that? Well, seeing how my life has changed already in three years, if you like, I can totally imagine it. It took me a while to accept some of the challenges that life threw at me, but I accept them fully now. I embrace them with thanks and gratitude. Let's say that uh, little by little, I try to change the 
accessibility thing, or rather, an accessibility thing that famous people have. Because I think that it's a lie that isolates everyone, the ones watching and those who are doing it. I don't want to have a rapport based on class. I feel bad giving my personal history. I mean, I come from an ordinary family in the French countryside, working class and all that. But yeah, I like saying I was born in Nevers. Yeah, I like being born in Never. It's as if I was never born, so it's like existing forever. Very, very practical. And you're quite unusual, aren't you? A bit, yes. You could say, in the words of Yves Saint Laurent and Pierre Berger, that I'm the most foolish of the wise, or perhaps the other way round, the wisest of fools, I don't know. Let's keep talking, Félix Marito, but there is a secret room here, and we're going to go in. Let's go, with pleasure. Come and see, it's over here. I think you'll like it. Oh, wow. It's a room made of mirrors. Faced with oneself. Okay, so tell me what you see. I have no idea about myself. I've reduced the, my relationship with identity to nothing. I mean, I'm not interested in knowing how to define who I am. I know how I react on the outside, how I react to the world, but I have no desire to define myself as a person, especially as I've started cinema, where I'm asked to be this or that, or not this or that. I think that now, anyway, we're all just being, so it's better to simply live. Otherwise, well, I can see that I've been doing some sport and that I did a clay face mask before coming here to be a bit presentable. And I'm going to light a cigarette in this cupboard. The guy there, the one you can see, if you met him at a soirée, would you pick him up or not? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm a bit shy to tell you the truth. It's like I have a fairly strong power of seduction, so it can be quite intimidating because I really want to seduce someone, I get into the mood. And if I go into seduction mode, there's a kind of curse which makes people fall in love with me, and then I'm in deep shit. So usually, I'm reserved and very, very nice. Too easy? Too easy? Uh, yes, sometimes. Mostly a bit dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that I'd go over and talk to me. At least I'd go and talk. But it depends, because sometimes I can be unbearable at a soiree, so... What can't you guess just by looking at you? <laughs> that I'm a child, emotionally. Perhaps my spiritual connection to things, too. I think that's something you can't guess by just looking at me. I look like a normal sort of guy, regular, on the outside. But in fact, my intimate self clearly lies in my relationship to spirituality, my relationship to magic, in fact. If you could change something in your physical appearance... I'd have my teeth done, for sure. Oh, yes. You know, after 10 years of drugs, my teeth are rotten. So the first thing I'd change would be that. But I've already got an appointment, so... Which is your favorite tattoo, and can you show it? Um, I don't know which one I like best. I've got one on my leg that I like a lot. It's a heart. 
pierced with a sword. Um, I like this one because I had it done because of a moment of realization I had about emotional intelligence. I'd hurt a friend, uh, without meaning to. I'd been hyper-aggressive with her, without even realizing it. It wasn't a physical aggression or anything, just a micro-verbal aggression, <laughs> my behavior. And she told me she was elegant enough to take me on one side and talk to me about it for a long time. I had this tattoo done to remember, in fact, that I had to pay attention to others. I'm, I'm someone who's very spontaneous, uninhibited, totally uninhibited. And so, well, it taught me that being so upfront can be hard on people. I'm very upfront. I let you out. <laughs> uh, thank you, especially for the ash. It's about to fall on the... It's beautiful, this, this little room like a cupboard. In the succession of films you've done, your body is often very eloquent. Can a body say everything? What is it actually expressing? Suffering, freedom, power? What's your body saying? It's funny because in Sauvage, for example, the director wanted a fragile body, very puny, small, skinny, breakable. And my body's, well, not exactly a muscle bomb, but it's pretty hard and solid. It's an athletic body. How you use the body is the thing, what it's all about. Before Sauvage, we worked with a choreographer for, for weeks to find the way this character who was ill at ease, non-committal, yet determined, would use his body, and with no problem being naked. Me, I've always considered my body to be a tool. I like the idea of a body being a performative thing. I mean, that the body is humanly perceived as a performance instrument. I think I respect my body much more now than at any other time in my life. So you dress a body most of the time. How do you define elegance? Well, I think that elegance is is in, for me, in the gestural. I find someone elegant when he or she is uh, exactly as they want to be, as they feel best. It's about making a choice. Choice is one of the main elements of freedom, to make choices regarding one's body, what one really wants, or, in any case, what one really wants to be. I think that's it. That's elegant enough for me. And also something else. I think that violence is not elegant. I have a lot of violence in me, but I believe that I have always had the elegance to refrain from disrespecting people who I would really like to hurl abuse at. I think it's important to know, even so, that respecting your body for what it is, is elegant. Insulting your body, well, it's inelegant. What do you do with all your violence, then? I do lots of cycling to use up the energy. I tend to inflict violence on myself through lots of roundabout ways, through my sexuality, through drugs, or uh, a lack of sleep, lack of food, hardcore life conditions, so I don't have to inflict the violence that I received on others. 
I write, and that allows me to... I write texts that are very, very violent. It's strange given that I am one of the calmest people I know. I write extremely violent texts. Very. And that offloads it, yeah. I think that's it. Born in Nevers, and what about cinema? If you could, would you do it forever? It's off to a good start. I don't want to make films for the sake of it. I am lucky enough to work with all these talented people, to have a vision, and so I don't want to let go of that. And at the same time, I also want to, you know, for two years I was constantly told that I'd never play a heterosexual character in a film because I was too camp, and I would never do a historical film because of my tattoos. And then, yes, in November, I played a heterosexual character in a historical film in Serbia for an Australian film. So there are small personal victories. I also like storing things up and proving that certain conservative mindsets are a bit old-fashioned now in France. I suspect that you are quite sentimental, even though the word is a bit cheesy. Are you or not? Totally. I adore love. It's the biggest treasure in our world to be able to love, because love is something that knocks down every preconceived idea you can have. It's something that makes the wounds we've got heal. It's something that hurts, too. But at the same time, it's the most... Uh, anyone who's been loved or who loves knows that it's that maximum intensity, a state of mind that... In Sauvage, someone tells you, you exist to be loved. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful phrase that I love and that suits the character really well, give or take a few nuances. Because I think that for him, well, he is love, in fact. He is the angel of love. Even when he looks at the forest, he loves the forest. He looks at the people around him. He loves them. He looks at a decrepit old client, and he loves him. It's a bit like agape, the last stage of love, which is unconditional, which is pure vibration. Perfect. I love love, yes. I adore love. Last sequence, Felix Marito. Quickfire questions. With off-the-cuff answers, please. What do you play in real life? Uh, the fool. <laughs> Your strongest addiction? Cigarettes, for sure. Love or beloved? Be loved. That was honest. Yes, yes. Très direct. Straight up. If you left now, straight away, where would you go? Chez un amour. To someone I love. An ideal film partner dead or alive, whatever, you do the casting, who would it be? Gérard Depardieu, sans doute. Gérard Depardieu, for sure. Enfin, pour moi, c'est le rêve. Yeah, that, that would be my dream. He's like a, he's like a fantasy, even his name. I once had the chance to play opposite Beatrice Dahl. She was one of my dreams, and it was amazing. Also Denis Lavant, because each time I bump into him in Paris, I'm so attracted. 
There's something telling me I have to talk to him. And Juliette Binoche too, because I think she's one of the best French actresses. And she's discreet. And I like her choice of films. Always very sensitive. A word or phrase that means something to you. If when you see a black person being beaten up, you don't feel beaten up yourself, or when you see a woman or a worker being ill-treated, you don't feel ill-treated, then all your life you have been a faggot for nothing. Jean Genet said that, and there's another one, it's, don't worry darling, we'll just be rich in our hearts. Integrity pays. Flash forward, you in 10 years. I hope I'll be in love on an island. With a very beautiful light. Your favorite mode of transport? Le vélo. The bike. <laughs> the bike. I do 500 kilometer hikes and all that. I'm crazy about the bike. A word of love? Je t'aime. I love you. How to end on a high note? Uh, à l'infini. Till forever. Voilà. À l'infini. Yes. <laughs> Till forever. Thank you very much, Félix Marito. Il n'y a que les fous pour se sentir normaux. Hein. <rire>